Yes, sir. Welcome, welcome back to the show, guys. Dylan's back. Hello. <laughs> with a vengeance. <laughs> with a vengeance, yeah. I'm dieharding with a vengeance. The don't dieharding uh, roundtable. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, we, we were just talking about, we are just always talking about an actor who we can kind of cover their career and unfortunately you know we don't necessarily have three hours to talk about their entire resume so we're just like how about we talk about like their movies that kind of have a certain shared theme so yeah that's a good way to break it down though i have to admit um i didn't get to every uh you know as i was saying before you kind of educated me on how many uh diehard riffs uh dolph wonder actually did i was just aware of uh command performance before but, yeah um, and some of these are kind of more like High Noon or uh, Assault on Precinct 13, as well as uh, the Walter Hill movie Trespass, just something involving thieves and just <laughs> unlikely hero in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it falls under the diehard subgenre umbrella, which is like isolated place, uh, you know, and usually involving tropes involving terrorists or whether it's a siege one where they're trying to break in or a home invasion one or... Uh, um, and then you even have sub sub genres of diehard, like you have diehard in a school or diehard at a stadium, you know. So <laughs> and with all that, it's and uh, there were two he had has where he's a secret service agent, but I just figured, you know, those two were just so detailed enough, like they're almost like sequels of each other. We could just do a whole separate you know, hour dedicated. Yeah, to that. Uh, I did uh, divert off a little bit going through this, and I did revisit, like, I had a um, I projected a triple feature of uh, probably my three favorite movies of his, you know, outside of like Rocky IV, uh, Punisher or whatever, which is a Dark Angel, Universal Soldier, and Showdown Little Tokyo. So I had to do like the classics too, you know. But, totally. And, yeah. <laughs> and while they do have uh, cocky police officers or they're set at Christmas, they're kind of more of a lethal weapon kind of, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, I guess so. Well, yeah, especially uh, Dark Angel is basically – it's it's weird. It's like a little bit lethal weapon meets uh, Predator meets Terminator. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's few, so rad. Few different uh, influences uh, no, like, converging on there. And same thing with Showdown Little Tokyo. That's very much a lethal weapon esque kind of <laughs> um, Black Rain. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. With um, I guess it, it was weird. We were going through this thing in the eighties. It's uh, it was like Japanese uh, fear exploitation or something like that. Like we're all the yeah. If it wasn't the Red there. Scare, then yeah, just having the, all the East meets West. Oh, if you're right. in Yakuza, they'll kill you oh, yeah, and the Chinese got, mafia guys. Uh, yeah, you said Black Rain and Rising Sun also fits in there. Yeah, there, was, there you go, Rising Sun. We're going through an interesting period, I guess. That I don't know if age is great anymore, but you know whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, what was your introduction to the Swede? <laughs> To uh, the the muscles from Sweden, I guess as it were. Um, yeah, if it's not Brussels, it's Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I did. Well, we were um, when we were talking about the we were on the Charles Bronson broadcast. I, I think Dolph Lundgren came up at, uh, in conversation. Right. <laughs> my kind of pitch of him was, uh, I, he is literally the world's most interesting man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> I mean, before he uh, was Ivan Drago, which is probably, you know, uh, obviously where his career started. I think he did a James Bond cameo or something before that. Um, in, in a beauty kill, so that's my alarm. Um, he, uh, before he even did that, he was did modeling for Andy Warhol. He dated Grace Jones, which is how he got into a beauty kill. Um, and he was 
he's quite literally a genius. I looked it up, right? I got the did the research here. So <laughs> yeah, the right. IQ, it obviously I'm not I'm on the average IQ scale, which is a hundred because I had to Google and figure out what, what exactly a genius was. Most people fall in the A5 to 114 range. Any score above 140 is considered high IQ, uh, score about 160 is considered genius. Dolph Lundgren is reported to have the IQ of 160. So he's quite literally a genius and an action star. <laughs> so believe that was all before he started his acting career. So it's just, it's amazing. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So, but how was I introduced to him? It's like, ah, it had him in Rocky Four, I guess. I, you know, I think everyone loved that movie. You know, I was born in 1980. And definitely so. the first one I saw him in. And you yeah. couldn't go to any video store without at least seeing at least one or two titles starring him and just looking like a blonde Schwarzenegger and something that sounded like it was meant to be starring right. Bruce Willis or Stallone. And yeah, we definitely like to get into that, but, uh, but also, yeah, so it was definitely Rocky four. And then uh, probably Punisher and masters of the universe before I kind of really identified it was the same guy. I definitely saw those movies when they first came out in video or whatever. Nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was definitely, uh, he was, definitely my jam before before i knew it um but yeah you're kind of talking about like the whole you know the the pathion of uh 80s 90s action stars you know so it's you know i was thinking about this like when we're going through these movies if you're thinking like the mount rushmore of action guys whether you know for argument's sake it's 80s and you know if they got started in the 80s but we're still making movies into the 90s you know so obviously sly and uh and ronald schwarzenegger are up there um then even though it's like it's easy to kind of beat up Bruce Willis lately, you know, with all his uh, <laughs> film choices, I think he's still got RDs in there. It's probably probably Van Damme uh, because he's had like most the longest career and most relevance if you think about it. Um, yeah, Seagal, his first five movies are pretty good, and then you know whatever after that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think I don't think Seagal really is is up there. But I think an argument as far as your wild card pick, as far as the best action star of this time, is probably Dolph Lundgren. Like because he uh, he's he's been in a couple iconic roles. He did start doing the direct to video thing earlier than these guys, but he also I think figured out how to actually make some decent movies within that you know, the direct-to-video doldrums, basically. It helped that they went overseas, like, they're in Japan or Bulgaria, and then they, we got them here on, like, the movie channels, like, in cable, so, like, USA Network and uh, HBO would premiere them here in the States, and we're like, oh, okay, I had no idea I was at a festival. <laughs> yeah, he kept making these things, you know, and some of them get pretty uh, generic, like, uh, even one of the movies we're going to talk about today, uh, a direct, uh, was it uh, Direct Contact is was it called yeah 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 oh it was direct action and there's another one called uh something else action yeah direct dire direct contact or something like direct that contact, right so there's like very much titles that like meld into each other like wait which one is this again and some that get pretty generic especially in the 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 later 90s 2000s direct video era but he still made some uh some gems here and there um <laughs> if anything uh, you could even argue that basically all his half his films are like spiritual sequels to each other just because he just always seems to play that mercenary out to assassinate uh, a tyrant or just uh, a commando who's been framed for someone's assassination or something. You know? <laughs> right, right. Well, he finds this kind of like, uh, well, like a lot of the Seagal ones were like that too. It's basically he just kind of plays the same uh, guy all the time. But uh but even with these ones he picked, there's a couple of them like Stash House is playing a bad guy. And I think Altitude is a bad guy too, right? So I actually think he's 
better as a bad guy. <laughs> like, you know, if you think about Universal Soldier, Rocky IV. Or, and then uh, spoofing that in the Expendables is like, right. here I am now. <laughs> or even Giant Mnemonic, I think he's really fun in, you know. So I think he's actually, he's he's got a little bit more of a character actor-y thing versus... Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm feeling so good about Mnemonic since finally the Blu-ray with the intended cut is coming out again. It's being re-released it, in other regions. Oh, is it? When, uh, who's putting it out? Like, screen uh, 101 uh, Films. And okay. it's just one of those, I already have the German Blu-ray, and, and I saw it, like, two years ago, and I was like, wow, seeing it on cut, oh, my God, so much, so much better than what everyone in the States saw, which was just a very hackneyed, but, you know, a movie with ideas, I always just figured, okay, there's a good movie in there somewhere, and then it's just amazing what a rescore and re-edits will do. It just totally changes the tone and everything instead of, you know. How much uh, more new footage is... Uh... I definitely saw at least like 20 different new cuts and it was just like new dialogues more exposition because especially for Dolph like you actually know that he's like a tyrannical kind of you know religious leader who's you know lost his mind and killing other diseased people in the streets of this apocalyptic world and it was just one of those where it's like yeah see so much clarification because if you just watch the regular US cut you're like wait Who's betraying who? Who's trying to kill who? I, I don't know what's going on. Oh, everyone's dying. <laughs> oh, there's a talking dolphin or whatever the fuck was going on there. Right. You actually got it. It doesn't fix everything, but you have a way more complete picture to where it's like, okay, now this can at least feel like a way better Total Recall Blade Runner type movie instead of a rushed, you know, bad episode of Star Trek like it originally felt like. Gotcha. I'll I'll definitely look forward to checking that out because I mean it definitely has guilty pleasure enjoyments you can have out of it with uh, I mean just the cast it's got oh, and rooms are, and that's just it it fixes some of the infamous moments where you're just like okay so now no longer is everyone overacting or does the music feel like it's last minute which it was apparently he's one of, like the headliners of that movie is just the, the cast is just great it's Keanu it's uh, London it's Ice T and Henry Dina Ball. Mayer yeah and Kishi Kitano and like, you know it's just like it's an amazing cast and, oh yeah his extra so, scenes are great too you actually kind of get a sense of what he's planning as opposed to hey it's Pete Takano what's he doing here oh he just died you know <laughs> right right okay cool well I definitely have to uh have to check that out warning it is expensive hell oh I might, I might just have to email you a copy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. I'll, I'll own that one. I'll gladly own a director's cut of Giant Demonic. I'm not, All right. I just got the Sword and the Sorcerer in the mail the other day. The oh, nice. I'm surprised Dolph never worked with Albert Pion. <laughs> hey, that's a good point. He it's came so like close with Masters of the Universe. <laughs> that was technically what Cyborg was. <laughs> yeah, thing. yeah. Technically, Masters of the Universe Part 2, right? Or Spider-Man 2, I guess, depending. Maybe that would have given us a Dolph versus Van Damme fight earlier <laughs> before Unisol. Right. Oh, man. Uh, um, but uh, and I guess before we get to these other movies, too, I just want to point out, you know, just as we're talking about the wider Dolph Lundgren filmography, um, uh, three movies I think are kind of underrated that don't get talked about a lot, I think, are Joshua Tree, which has got a yeah. got a really cool, I think it's also called The Man of War or something like that. Or, uh, and the oh, fact no, that Man it took Army. years for to even give them a proper like widescreen release, I'm like, man, how can yeah, I think a movie? It, something with the distribution of it was screwed up or was tied up, so I think it's also was, wasn't in the rotation a lot, you know? Um, but it's got really some really cool action scenes, kind of like pre- 
you know, Hong Kong action influence on America, kind of shootouts and stuff like that. Um, yeah, kind of it's purpose. like a neo-Western mixed in with a Bogart, Big Sleep type of format. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, it totally, it totally has references to, uh, yeah, is it, I don't know if it's Big Sleep or it's uh, High Sierra, one of those. That's words. what it was, yeah, my yeah. bad. No, Where yeah. he's uh, on the run with uh, with a hostage, then they fall in love kind of thing. Who doesn't love a good Fugitive on the Run movie? You know, right. just... And the girl's hot in it, uh, you know, like, it's, just, it's a lot of good things with that, with that movie. And they really do gel, it's, it's, it, and it's just tough to say because you see plenty of those uh it, it gets very annoying when you see some of these other movies where you're like oh you got good action one minute and then annoying you know dialogue the next where you're like i want to get past this you know to get to the good stuff and fortunately it just it doesn't have too many sore spots it's just kind of you instantly get a motivation it's like okay he's a fugitive he's been framed his best friend just got killed they right at the beginning yeah ken Forey and vic armstrong who had worked with dolph on Later on, demonic, but as well as Unisol, you know, his direct make his directorial debut, and it's like, okay, he's so yeah, stunt guy. I think I looked it up. He's a big stunt guy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, involved in uh -huh. Indiana Jones and. Well, this just, is when they were still versus like some of these other movies we'll talk about. Not to disparage them, but they, when they were still putting a lot of resources behind these movies, and you know, so they have uh, really good actors in the supporting roles and stuff. Decent and, uh, budgets to where. Yeah. They, they could decide last minute, okay, it's going direct to TV. No, it's going to a theaters for five weeks, you know, or it's going straight to the video bargain bin and that's it, you know, and then we'll make our money back when we give it to the movie channels. And this was basically an HBO world premiere where basically it, it, oh, it, it premiered That's months. why not too many people knew about it because so that means it didn't really get a theatrical release except for probably international. Um, yeah, or later on at a convention and it's just a shame and it's just annoying because you also have to explain to people hey just because it's going straight to the video bin doesn't mean it's necessarily you know b-movie junk or something the studio isn't proud of it's just that's when they were getting all strategic trying stuff out before this you know video on demand thing that hit in the mid well, I think Dolph was definitely one of the purveyors of uh showing that the direct-to-video action stuff didn't have to be all junk or just garbage by definition. Um, you know, the, the Universal Soldier sequels are definitely an example of that. And it's kind of evolved into, I think Scott Atkins is probably the, the forebearer of, uh, you know, decent direct-to-video action where, uh, where it's better than some big studio movies uh, they see in you know, totally. Bond movie, you know? Because, so. and, and you, I, that's so true. We do have to remind people is like, okay, just because it came out in theaters, you know, doesn't mean we're any less harder on it. There's plenty of them blockbusters we see every year, year where we're like, where did the money go? You had millions and I'm seeing bad computer graphics, forced and non-natural acting, you know, and red camera shots where it looks like there's some static breaking up or the HD is questionable, you know, it's just so... Yeah, it is getting to that point where I think the industry is learning, okay, you can only fix so many expensive mistakes. You got to just take it easy. And uh, it, it, it's cool to see that they're now embracing it all. To places like Tubi and Prime are also allowing a lot of these, you know, video store gyms to show up once in a while. And yes, like, like I say, Dolph was trying out a bunch of different subgenres because he just kind of figured after He-Man is like, okay, I've had my shot. That's not where I'm going, but it doesn't matter. I'm still going to bring the same amount of energy like I would to any kind of project. You know, what happens, happens. <laughs> and Yeah, and some are definitely better than others, so to speak, but 
but uh you know uh they have a couple of these like i think detention is uh is a pretty good little uh diehard riff you know and totally that was definitely one of the common ones he, he really was this was probably the start of it just home video resurgence because he had a bunch of others in the early 2000s that kind of resurged a bit but it was mainly just here and there or there was a delay in getting it to dvd and but yeah this was definitely one of the first uh you know in ofree where i was like okay dolph's kind of still a big deal and he was the snives van damme seagal and are, are always going to have this loyal fan base i just can't think of any others who have such a huge fan base and people will instantly check out the movie they won't even ask if it played in a theater or on tv or not they're just like hey awesome i love them gonna see it you know <laughs> this is gonna be a friday night movie cue up the popcorn and the beer you know <laughs> yeah yeah definitely uh i just to go back a little bit so my so my top three underrated dope Plunder movies is joshua tree uh men of war which is another one that uh it kind of got dumped to more video and not really theatrical, um, mm-hmm. but it was still during that time where they were getting decent uh, production values and all that. Um, totally. It's kind of like a, a socially conscious Rambo <laughs> with a subplot involved. It really was. <laughs> trying to try to get, uh, was it uh, Batchet or whatever? Like, uh, Yeah, be more a little <laughs> philosophical and Kurosawa while giving you the Rambo theatrics you want. Yeah, it's... Right. So that one's, uh, that one's cool. And also a lot of... Uh, you know, uh, Tiny Zeus Lester's in it and, like, a bunch of other other kind of... It's a great who's who. Like, you even see Thomas Gibson from Criminal Minds and Tony Dennison from The Closer in there briefly, and you're like, whoa, hey! <laughs> this is their future recruitment. <laughs> who's the, the, the sleazy Australian guy who's from Mortal Kombat? Oh, yeah. Uh, <sighs> that guy's just intense, man. And he apparently, on the on our pal friend of the show, Sean Malloy's I must break this podcast. He apparently was able to interview Perry Lang and apparently uh, he had shot fun fact. He had shot Mortal Kombat a year before they filmed that one. And he was so used to the whole scenery. He was telling jokes. Everyone loved working with them. And they're like, Hey, uh, so wait, you've been here before in Thailand and everything. He's like, yeah, we just built Mortal Kombat. (laughs) What's his name? Uh, A Troy Goddard. That's the one. Yeah. Troy Goddard. And he gotcha. like yeah. he was in Pirates of the Caribbean, then he like passed away shortly after, and it's just a shame because you're, you're just looking at him, and you're like, yeah, this guy was born to play. He was like the Billy Zapka 2.0. He was going to show up and play an off-color kind of bully, or just he was in a way he kind of reminds me of Vinnie Jones. He's just that kind of energy. <laughs> That's just yeah, he's in, he's intense. I don't know if he's a quote-unquote a good actor you know but he's definitely a presence you know <laughs> like <you're>... yeah <laughs> whether or not he's limited or not his manic energy at least worked in like the five key roles that we remember him for so it's like that's good enough versus yeah he definitely, he definitely has a vibe where i don't know if he's uh, completely acting you know like where he's like just get all sleazy with like the the woman you know and he's like look at their faces and shit he's like oh yeah baby you know, it's just like wow it, it does. oh totally and <laughs> it helps that i guess all these guys are stage actors and uh, TV people, so they were able to at least make this be pretty well-rounded without feeling like a, you know, pretty trite exploitation, you know, war film. And, mm-hmm. you know, Catherine Bell, it's like her first movie before her, you know, giant TV career on JAG. And so, yeah, those were definitely, I'd like to say. It was written by John Sales, which, uh, you know, he's... Great a- indie yeah. filmmaker, yeah. And, but, yeah. And I remember the producers of it, you know, before Miramax 
screwed with it said you know this is like the only time you can rewrite a john styles movie <laughs> right I, yeah i kind of read they basically it was uh you know it was like uh uh, uh anti-war kind of movie and they just add more action sequences basically so, that's <laughs> so so this was a movie so is that why uh this didn't get out there much as uh harvey scissorhands kind of kind of did something to it something like that surprisingly yeah. nothing major just like there's only like extra violence in like the German cut, but it's like five seconds of frames more. It's not any difference in narrative or, you know. Gotcha. So it was just a Dimension Films uh, dumping title. Yeah, theatrical everywhere else and then home video years later. And I would always see it playing on the Showtime channels and uh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. It's definitely just a gem of a movie. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then my last uh, third underrated Dolph is uh, Blackjack. The <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone shits on that one. And I personally don't mind it. It's, it I would have told everyone for a TV pilot, it's at least a decent standalone. You know, John Woo does his noir tribute, you know, <laughs> Blind Bodyguard. It's 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 whacked out, man. Like uh, it's, he's yeah, it has that sequence where he's uh, blind, so and he's got the girl, so it's a little bit like the professional, and then it becomes like the bodyguard where he's protecting uh, this uh, woman from her. I guess it turns out to be her ex husband, but he's kind of serial killer, uh, a sniper. Or something. Yeah, despite <laughs> the guy playing the killer overacting, it's still I find it way better than some of Wu's other American collaborations. And it's right. just. I it mean, it's, like, just the content, but then he's got, like, he's afraid of the color white, or just white things in general. <laughs> like, yeah, like, he has his quirks, and Dolph at least was down to play it. I think at that point, he really was, again, he just understood film as a collaboration, and, you know, the last thing he needs to be is be like Seagal, where he's constantly storming off set and letting his stunt doubles figure out the fight scenes, you know? <laughs> Yeah, sure. As you said, there's there's definitely decent uh, action in this one because it is John Woo action. I mean, the whole I guess the trampoline is probably the most memorable thing. But the <laughs> right, <laughs> with there an explosion going on in the mansion, <laughs> so ridiculous. And then there's the whole fight where so they have this whole big old shootout or whatever. Which, by the way, I did get why the husband. I just watched this last night. Uh, I did get why the husband has all these minions that just appear out of nowhere on motorcycles and shit, and like he has to shoot them. I didn't quite get like what. And he was an arms dealer too. Like whole things pretty muddled you know but anyways yeah this whole shootout and then they they're just happening to be a milk factory <laughs> or whatever and then and then so it's yeah. like incapacitated because you know the white everywhere and then somehow the killer is able to tell that he has a pure white i mean the whole thing is so whacked out and like if you like just think about it, any kind of rational i know, almost got stuff. a sense that he might have blinded him years ago uh who did maybe the killer did oh uh, that's it. Oh, he was one of the guys there. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit on the long too much side credit. too. But they, but it's a lot of like kind of plot points. That long sight. Yeah, it's like oh, he was your ex-husband. You know, they, it's literally a dialogue scene where they like reveal. No pun plot intended. Plot <laughs> yeah. um, and then, uh, and then you got Fred Williamson doing his thing in there, but uh, he's his mentor. Is, uh, yeah, <laughs> my favorite is Sal Rubinek with the eye patch and the very questionable French accent. You know? <laughs> oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> the movie's so so crazy. I did, I, we were deprived of. I guess it was going to be probably like um, I don't know, like Hercules or one of those like syndicated shows or something. I imagine, but uh, I think we missed out <laughs> on. Uh, a blackjack. What well, could have been a fun Nash Bridges type Dolph show. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying we need 100 episodes, but you know, I would have like uh, bought 
spotted box set of the 20 or 30 of his as opposed to was a thief i would have totally loved Dolph traveling the globe (laughs) being a thief one night and a bodyguard the next or something like that right so anyways that's uh blackjack is uh yeah funny pretty wild we should probably get to the movies we actually meant to talk about. Oh, good. Hey, we're just getting warmed up. So, yeah, yeah uh, the tension. Um, so, this is one, I, this is often either liked or disliked, depending on the crowd, much like Blackjack. Um, uh, well, what's your take on, on this substitute, diehard, you know, toy soldiers type movie? <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, this is the sub-sub-genre of diehard in a school, which, uh, yeah, substitute kind of fits in, fits in there. Substitute's kind of a weird hybrid of, like... Uh, Even the Secret Service agent bad guy, and this almost gives me a sudden death kind of feel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but Detention, in a lot of ways, is, like, the closest that fits the diehard formula, because they have... You know, there's the, definitely the Hans Gruber thing. It's it's more of a heist, not really a terrorist situation. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they even have the trope where they're like, uh, he's like the under siege. Is like he's not a cook. He's a Navy SEAL. He's not a teacher. He's a <laughs> yeah. You know, like uh, you even get to see a flashback of him. You know, in the Gulf War. And uh, fun fact: uh, Paul Lynch was one of the original writers of it. He'd done a bunch of slashers and hostage thrillers and various TV shows. You know, his credits include Cagney and Lacey and Star Trek: Next Gen, but. Yeah, he had had his share of like hostage thrillers and diehardish movies like No Contest. You know? So it was like meant to be kind of like his original prom night, where it was just kind of a slasher in a school kind of movie, and they just rewrote it a bit. That's funny. Uh, well, I also noticed the director is Sidney uh, J. Fury, right? Yeah. Superman 4 Iron Eagle, but uh, probably more importantly uh, to our discussion, he did uh, Taken of Beverly Hills, which is. Uh, Another uh, diehardish movie, yeah. Yeah, it's diehard in, in Beverly Hills, I guess, is the quite literally. But that's, He's always been a reliable Canadian actor who gets shot on because his movies just kind of vary. But I do recall The Boys and Company C, which, even though it didn't get played all that much, was often talked about a lot. It's like, I don't think I've seen that one, actually. Um, but so Taking Beverly Hills is, 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 is hilarious. Um, it is. It's an over-the-top movie. And, I mean... For another guy, you know, he's done pretty well because, like many Canadian actors, he would uh, he often just got the short end of the stick. But I mean, I think you'd, I can definitely, even if everyone's not into even making fun of silly stuff like the Iron Eagles or Superman Four, I think anyone who's seen the Appaloosa from '66 or Hit, which is a Billy D. Williams black exploitation heist film, I think they'll have some fun with those. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um... But no, the detention I liked, and the, the same director, they, they did the, the next movie on your list, uh, the covert action one, right? Um, yeah, direct action, and I've seen people even compare it to kind of Exit Wounds with Seagal and just a bunch of those other ones, and I just kind of got an Assault on Precinct 13 vibe from this after a while, kind of like Training Day. <laughs> it was one admit, this is one I was like, this isn't a diehard movie, it's more of like a... Uh, yeah, when I was watching, I was like, uh, I don't know if this one totally fits, but I guess there's kind of like a, a siege shootout. But then it's just more of like a, the typical uh, shootout in a factory that all these movies have at the, in the last act, you know? And just mainly more of, I just kind of just got the whole, I, I would compare it definitely to just some of those other just crooked cop takeover kind of movies. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can see that. Um, what struck me with this, I I, re- I totally remember writing this one at Hollywood Video. I think I did both of them, but I remember direct action. Um, and I think it's a fine little, 
uh, nifty thriller. It's low budget, but it's got like very, you know, the 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 squibs are real. The the gun uh, stuff. It's not just like the the CGI flashes. There's real stunts. Uh, oh, the villains are kind of fun because they're just. Well, the, the villains I was about to say is like it's it's a little bad because they they obviously shot in Canada. I think it takes place in Canada. And some of these uh, uh, gangsters are good for like, TV, but they're not great for movies necessarily. <laughs> well, he's got like some, you know, some some little uh, white guy like, right, you gotta go tea, put on sunglasses and a leather jacket, you know. <laughs> You're like, and then like standing up to Dolph Lundgren, who's like, you know, six two or six three or whatever he is, you know, it just looks uh, ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, he did look very tough to me. Um, and I kind of dug how his partner in this was just some kind of tough chick, and basically. He doesn't even have to really spend much time mentoring them. They basically just go to town. Like, it's an episode of The Shield. We're like, oh, you know. It felt very uh, TV show-ish, too, actually. It felt like this could have been a TV series, you know? <laughs> Dolph Lundgren it's, it's on not, The Shield. <laughs> it's not great. Like, a lot of these movies on, on this list, I describe them as uh, folding socks movies, where uh, <laughs> you have it on the background, you're folding your socks, you know, you're cleaning up a little bit, doing the laundry, you know, filing your taxes, whatever you gotta do. You know? <laughs> filing my taxes. I won't get anything done if I'm trying to watch this and file my taxes, but I know what you mean. Well, you know, uh, it's just, you don't necessarily need to pay that close attention. Um, no. But, just uh, fun escapism. I like some of the fight choreography, but like you say, some of the guys do overact. I think the main villain, though, is at least decent, but some of the other guys do do the whole, oh, you know, when he's snapping their limbs. Yeah, some of some of the gangster uh, casting choices were a little questionable. That's, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I think the most uh, significant or... Uh, uh, thing about it is he does beat up a guy wearing a Punisher shirt at the, at one point. Yeah, it uh, almost feels like this could have been his Punisher. <laughs> that's a little Easter egg of uh, you know him him making that reference. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, and Detention also has like some really uh, dated 2000s era you know frosted tips and hairstyles and like just the type of characterization. I think they even use a computer, but just very briefly and. The partner who was like crooked, but like in witness protection, who he has to protect, could have had a little extra backstory, but yeah. Right. I mean, it, it, neither of these are perfect movies by any means, but uh, yeah. they're, they're entertaining enough. And I don't know if it's nostalgia or whatever, just because they're kind of an interesting bridge between, uh, you know, what we were talking about with Joshua Tree, where they, they had really high budgets, really high stunts, but now they're good. definitely getting lower budgets going direct to video, but they're still some practical effects, some, some fighting, you know, it's, it's all done for real. So it, it, it feels like a bridge into, you know, more um, CGI laden or, you know, uh, mm -hmm. less, less tangible kind of action movies. So uh, the bridge between eighties action into, totally, totally. you know, modern and, and, and much like this, it feels like they use leftovers. This is like, at, at one point I even asked a few Dolph fans on the Dolph fans forum. I was like, so is this, some of the same leftover footage from uh, detention. You're like, no, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, same you obviously must have did, did them back to back. Um, I think uh, I read somewhere there's even some uh, posters for direct action that uses a still from uh, detention or something like that. So oh, I bet. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but that was uh, apparently his little duology he did with uh, Cindy J. Fury. So there you go. Nice. Direct action and detention. Canadian, yeah, yeah, Canadian. Yeah. God bless some Canadians. It was also interesting. Uh, look at you can almost see with some of these movies the 
the evolution of where they were shooting these things because it's wherever they get their tax credits or tax havens uh, to make these Oh, movies. no, and I get it. And don't get me wrong, I love plenty of shows that are filmed there, like X-Files and Stargate and Dead Zone. But yeah, there are plenty of them where it's like, yeah, this is lesser Canadian production. No, this is a better Canadian production. And some of them are just going to vary just in general, like an episode of Highlander. You just don't know what you're going to get until you're halfway into it. Well, it's definitely, uh, it affects the aesthetic and look, because, I mean, you go back to, like, the, the 70s, 80s, everything was shot in L.A. or California or Southern California, so it has that look to it, you know? And then New Orleans has that more lush look, and then Canada has its more uh, overcast kind of look, and then getting into probably more now where the stuff is being made in Europe and uh, Russia and all that all that stuff, it, it mm-hmm. has that also, that kind of look to it. So just, it you could... It'd be interesting if somebody like did a study of like the evolution of uh, the direct-to-video action movies and in, in aesthetic based upon where they were shooting and it's right. correctly related to where where they're getting their best tax refunds. You know where they were going, where was the budget? And I think the only issue I have is they over-advertised the you know like two helicopters on some versions of this. I'm like, no, no, no. There's only one helicopter. No, and don't overhype it. Which one? Direct action or uh, a, a detention? But yeah, direct action at least. Uh, no was, denying that that's just Dolph with a gun in a cop uniform you know <laughs> it was definitely like uh, oh here's our high production value here's a uh, helicopter landing one guy getting out you know yeah you know. <laughs> so. yeah and I, I will admit the one in, the guy in detention he especially just loves to overact and you're just like okay i get what you're going for and this works oh the hans gruber uh, guy yeah, yeah i, mean, I want to be he's you know i did I don't want to beat up anybody, but, you know, he, he's, he's quote-unquote awful, but I can find enjoyment. He seems to have a drug habit or something, and you're <laughs> right. like, okay, whatever. Right, but, uh, you know, at least he's going for it. Uh, I've seen some of these where they have, like, the Hans Gruber uh, knockoff character, and, you know, they're just not even bringing anything to it. Uh, what comes to mind is, um, was Sudden Death 2, the Michael J. White? Uh, oh, God, yeah. The Hans Gruber character, and that I was like, how are you going to, like, have this this type of trope character and not you know not have somebody in there that's going to at least bring something to it you know so um, you would at least think, this guy was yeah. swinging for the fences so i can appreciate i can appreciate that even on a bad movie level you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah you would hope um so i guess we'll go to the next one we've got missionary yes. man i, I, I missionary wonder if he does man. missionary and no <laughs> it is not it is not an erotic thriller i swear it's not. <laughs> Missionary man. Um, so this is yeah, my also... neck of the woods, Dallas, Texas, and I was wondering why it had the visual look. And apparently, uh, someone did a botched job with the film reels behind the scenes. Oh, you know, I, I think I said, read online that people don't like the the color grading on it. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I I like it. You know, and um, I got this little bit. I, I did a movie where I tried some uh, you know color grading kind of kind of stuff and you know people don't like it and I know some people just like stuff to look completely clean I guess but I I thought that was the most interesting thing about this movie honestly is the, it was interesting I I just uh I, I just there were other scenes which looked a little rough but I mean mm-hmm. overall I, I I was just mainly confused by some of the uh transitions like there's a drug dealer who gets blown up and apparently Take it with a grain of salt. So Andrew Stevens, that's right. He was kind of, he worked, you know, on Roger Corman Productions and a few Canon pictures. So I guess uh, I always kind of formed my own narrative in uh, my brain that basically that's why he went from being a, you know, 
TV act and movie actor to becoming a giant infamous producer, <laughs> apparently. Mm -hmm. Franchise Pictures was already shutting down at that time due to tax fraud in Germany, but apparently uh, he just couldn't help himself. Like Roger Corman, he just would always be like, hey, just I know this doesn't have anything to do with the movie, but you got to sneak me in, have me just act in front of the camera, just be a you know police officer or something. And here he's just a drug dealer who gets killed on a boat and you're like well that doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie but okay whatever <laughs> and he was the also the producer on it yeah yeah okay. it was his production company and they're filming again like you say to save tax credits in germany and uh dolph was making uh this is like the second movie he directed and right after defender which is another uh diehard riff with which the most interesting thing about that is jerry springer's the president and besides that right and there's yeah an MI5 traitor. <laughs> yeah, and Missionary Man, what I thought was interesting about it is uh, it's not really a diehard movie. It's more of a Stranger Comes to Town uh, movie, which is definitely... Uh, yeah, he said he was inspired by Pell Rider, which is already kind of a high noon, you know? Right. Bad Day uh, of well, Black Rock, Reach into Yuma. Yeah, uh, Fistful of Dollars, or, but probably... I was tracing the, the genealogy of it, but, um, you know, it probably goes back to uh Yajimbo and also uh, Red Harvest by Dashiell Hammett which kind of deals with a uh, stranger coming to a corrupt town and then kind of pitting the different gangs against each other. Ah, uh, it's and, a nice contrast. Yeah. Red Harvest, man. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of a uh, lot of that in the movie. Um where where it's drawn its inspiration from. Um you know, it wasn't too bad. I liked it. it but it definitely I couldn't follow the plot after a while. As I said, it's a full and sock movie, you know. <laughs> it's at a certain point it's like, all right. It gets a little self-indulgent. I personally like the production value and how the fights are orchestrated, but I will admit him being a guy who, again, is a former missionary who slaps one of the guys over the head with the Bible was a little much. It's like, no, no, no. That's something Van Damme or Seagal would do, not you, Dolph. I think you can do better. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It's, um, yeah, I don't know if it's uh, quite the type he's actually better at being like a sympathetic uh like in detention or even direct action yeah uh, i don't know if he does the the stoic silent uh, type like charles bronson thing i don't know if someone just was giving him notes saying we just want you to be a little more over the top and he just took the bait and it's like you really don't you already kind of speak for yourself <laughs> right right um but then uh Command performance is uh, is pretty interesting. I see that's more of like uh, see. I think deep down, uh, Dolph Lundgren is a character actor more, and with mm -hmm. the band performance, he's he's hilarious. He's like a stoner drummer, and like how he, you know, how he's uh, uh, not in the same area when all the terrorist attack is because he's smoking a joint, you know, somewhere. You know? <laughs> yeah, comes <laughs> the John McClane thing, and right? it's like he had like a bodyguard position at one point, so he knows how right. to. Or no, he was. I thought he was a um, uh, a former Hell's Angel or something. He That's was, what it was. He was a yeah. biker. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. How do you know how to fight? You know. And he's like, oh, I was. A... Thank you. I apologize. Yeah. And <laughs> okay. Sure. It, it was just wild, and it's like, okay, uh, I'll I'll take the bait, even though it's still a little formulaic. But yeah. this one's definitely following the the diehard formula. Um, 
And uh, except, uh, and it, the best part about it is when he like stabs the guy with the guitar. There's like a, a sequence where he like uh, makes them all deaf and then he breaks the guitar over him. He stabs, impales this guy, you know. That part was cool. The rest of the action's okay, so I wish there was a couple more parts like that, you know? Yeah. Um, wild. You, you, you um, do feel like he's trying to do, much like Missionary Man, a little too much all at once. And yet at the same time, mm-hmm. the slugfest, it's just irresistible after all. It's like, okay. This is totally what I signed up for, which is Gory Mayhem, but at the same time, it could be a little tender. <laughs> yeah, um, and also what doesn't age well with it, it's like the movie is uh, uh, pretty much Russian propaganda, <laughs> very thinly veiled Russian propaganda. Oh, damn, the, yeah, that's right. Because all the, even all the government and police and military are definitely, uh, you know... Uh, We're uh, handling it so perfectly, right. it's like... An episode of FBI International is way more accurate. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, and part of it, he's protecting the Russian president, which is a very thinly veiled uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, who even gets involved in it, you know, White that House. It just that, shows you the influence, you know, because just like with Trump, you get the whole just everyone was digging his charisma back in the day while just not paying close attention with what he was really saying. So, what yeah. was actually happening, exactly. So watching it now is a little bit of a tough sit because he even gets involved in the action like White House down style, like if Jamie Foxx was Obama kind of thing. Oh, like, God. After terrorists, too, it's just like, oh, man. And just it was it had a very pro-russian government kind of message underlying it which is just like okay i hope yeah. they gave you guys a lot of money to shoot this shit because like, uh, you know. uh, yeah i uh, the only way uh, had i would have just hung it up had there been just something dumb like in white house down where the mil- where he's in a car and the military is almost committing friendly fire that would have been pretty bad <laughs> right right yeah fortunately even though it does have some outdated crapola in it it's and i I know another critique by some people who had worked in music bands was whether or not uh you know someone who's a britney spears equivalent would even share the stage with a hard heavy metal band i had this on with my wife and you know like the so the britney spears character is like who's the drummer and my wife's like who's the old man like who's the you know it's just ridiculous yeah it's wild (laughs) but you know Hey, I know, quote-unquote, the music's awful in it, but uh, I enjoyed it, especially the end credits, where they're kind of like, they're playing the Britney Spears stuff, and they're doing, like, the, you know, the 2000s-era, you know, rock, you know, the generic rock, and it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I had fun with the music, but, yeah, the Britney Spears stuff does go on a little too long, where you're just like, mm. yeah, I think, yeah, they play, like, the both songs they have, like, they play, like, the full songs, I think, like, two or three times throughout the movie, like, in the end credits, they do the whole, like, the concert and stuff, it's really... Mm-hmm pretty you know it's pretty enjoyable not not good but enjoyable in that way um and uh a little junky yeah yeah Yeah. i also i also assumed the movie was like a backdoor pilot for dolph's uh band or something but i did a little research i think it's a real band in there but i think dolph was just uh right he just featured him (laughs) right i think he really does play drums uh that's another part of his what makes him the world's most interesting man he's also a drummer so he's a (laughs) <laughs> the, the renaissance man the, the, the renaissance man yes so uh but yeah i was kind of bummed that we never got a dolph lundgren uh band you know <laughs> album out there with <laughs> so you join the ranks of seagal and Bruce yeah Wilson, especially music career you know? <laughs> oh that would be great bruce maybe can we get don johnson in there <laughs> hey they could almost make like uh what was it that that country super group that had like johnny cash and willie nelson you could do like the the action oh. movie super, uh, super group. You got Keanu's uh, and 
Dope on the drums, good skull. Good Dog skull. star. No, now you're talking. Yeah, speaking you my language, totally. That'd be great. Was on harmonica. Man, I go. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Seagull can be just in the background doing. No, don't do that. But <laughs> produced by David Hasselhoff. Boom. There you go. This is Hasselhoff. Oh yeah, he's a singer too and stuff. Right? <laughs> in Germany. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you. Man, went to town okay so they would sell tickets to all the middle-aged guys out in, out in america <laughs> all, all the yeah, there you go <laughs> one of those losers is me um <laughs> even though i'm not middle-aged um so uh, yeah then he goes with this home invasion movie stash house and yeah that's another like we were talking about the well uh, one other thing about command performance i guess that the sub-sub genre of that is diehard in an arena uh which would kind of be uh Probably the gold standard of that one is um, uh, Sudden Death with uh, Van Damme. With the, right. Uh, or just a building that's highly protected. And this is kind of more like Panic Room and Pacific Heights and Unlawful Entry. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but uh, going back to Command Performance, another good Die Hard in Arena one is uh, uh, Dave Baptista's uh, Final, Final Score. Score. Yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was pretty good, actually. So uh, if anyone's looking for another Scott Die Hard in Man, he's my yeah, dude. He's, uh, oh that was the director of that yeah he had done the tournament and okay uh as well as uh heist also with batista and jeff dean morgan de Niro. nice okay yeah so, so it's not a, on a car or a copter or plane or just a giant stadium it should be in something else and most of the time you know people kind of go back to just night of the living dead you know just do a sing one one location you know are you talking about Stash House now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just yeah, like, as we're talking about the Die Hard Umbrella subgenre, that's like the home invasion thriller, which is the Purge. I, I saw a lot of Purge in it. I feel like it was a lot of influence of Purge with the cameras and stuff. Oh, totally. It made someone wonder, was someone sharing tips and tricks? You know? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Straw Dogs and Last House on the left. So definitely. Oh, yeah. There you go. There is kind of a. And that's just what's wild is this director did some other horror movies as well. And you're just like, yeah. So there you go. It's like it's a quasi horror movie, even though it's got mainly just like an action mystery. And uh, Joel Silver's pretty involved. And uh, I got vibes just even from the computer hacking of like Swordfish and uh, Dolph's plot twist, whether or not he's a good guy or bad guy forced to do bad things you don't know till the end and you're just like but you're kind of reminded of other early 90s movies that Joel Silver worked on like uh kind of like uh Ricochet and just you know and uh, I'll, I'll let you weigh in on it uh, uh there, there's some questionable acting but I kind of thought it was fun easy going 2 a.m kind of suspense <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's a Bold and Socks movie, and that's how I kind of treated it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed enough of it. It's, um, um, it wasn't my favorite of the bunch, I guess, but it was more enjoyable to see Dolph play a villain. I think that's almost, as I said, I think he's a character actor at heart. I think uh, he really uh, shines in these kind of like more uh, nefarious kind of roles, I think. And it's just atypical. You've never seen him really do a performance like this, even though the script could maybe get one additional rewrite, like because uh, like some of the other plot twists would be more interesting if they kind of hadn't made us like forget about it for a while because we're so distracted by the house to where you're just like mm -hmm. wait a second okay now we're back to the other guy you know or yeah i think you mentioned panic room too there's a little bit of that in in, in this too, safe sure. house yeah wow. it's just kind of 
Yeah, it, it doesn't have enough suspense to really be work as a panic room thing. So I think uh, to enjoy it on more of a B action movie level, it needs uh, like getting stabbed with a guitar from Command Performance or a trampoline from. Uh, <laughs> like that, you know? It needs a little bit more something to kind of like. Yeah, and instead, as close as we get is like a dead raccoon. Oh no, thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Sean Ferris, I think he's getting there. He's just he hasn't really quite gotten there yet. It's just he's done like a few chunky martial arts movies and running away from bomb kind of movies. And it's like, I wonder what he'll do next if it could be something like Is this like the this. director of Stash House? Oh, oh, no, that's the lead. Oh, okay, gotcha. Never gotcha. back down. And he was in another hostage movie with Mike Chiklis called Pawn. And I was like, okay, so maybe he's the go to guy to be in some hostage thrillers. <laughs> nice. Well, you. Getting where you fit in, man. That's what I say. <laughs> yes. Oh man. So, altitude. This is another uh, one. So this is the sub sub genre of uh, Die Hard on a Plane, which Die is kind of very big. Fifty-seven. Uh, even going back as far back as Airport and Irwin Allen type movies. Yeah. Yeah, you can see the. It definitely has the the airplane disaster movie kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Die Hard on a Plane is definitely probably the most oft-used uh, subgenre. Without, oh man, it worked for a while, and some of them even dare to just be like Air Force One, where it involves some political intrigue or Secret Service agent in here. Is basically is like no, it's a simple heist. Uh, I mean, it's more junky than Money Plane. <laughs> Money plane. <laughs> I, I've, I've only seen the Red Letter Media review of that. Yeah, you pretty much saw the movie. <laughs> what's, what's, his, what, what's his name? Looks like he's had a grand old time in that. Uh, Kelsey uh, Grammer, yeah. Kelsey Grammer. What, what's his line? He's like, want a fucking crocodile? Money plane or whatever. Right. It was written by a bunch of wrestlers and it started the edge. This needed more of the edge. <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah, we, we got. Okay. Phil Bond girl, Starship Trooper star, Denise Richards. <laughs> yeah, she, you know, uh, my one of my takeaways from Altitude is like she's come a long way from Tammy and the T Rex and uh, and yeah. else, you know, wild things. I, I thought she was actually doing some interesting choices and she was playing a little more hardened and world weary, and uh, which uh, was wild because, yeah, usually yeah. she's just like cute in here, and it's like she's well, I mean, the worst one being the the uh, you know. Christmas in uh, the the James Bond movie or whatever that was just like the worst yeah. ever. Oh God, yeah. And, uh, and you know, I, I I love Wild Things, and you know, I love Starship Troopers. There's a lot of movies of Denise Richards I like, but I mean, I think you always kind of think she's a bad actor. She's just you know looks or whatever. But right. uh, I thought she was. Uh, I, I was like, good on her, man. She's like uh, she had stuck to comedy for a while, and now finally they're just putting her in all these B pictures, and basically all she has to do is just kind of give simple response like. No, that's not true. You know, stop. <laughs> you know, it's like okay, that works. As opposed, I thought to she was actually doing some uh, interesting things. I have never seen her uh, better before. So it makes me want to think of her directing video movies because I know she's been doing more of them. I, I think what it is is like she doesn't have to worry about being the hot thing anymore, and now, and she's also had more. She's experience. a so she just kind of Miami yeah. housewife reality show star too. So there you go. <laughs> right. So she's just kind of. I think she's just kind of riffing. You know, just kind of uh, having fun. You know, so that was cool to see. Um, yeah, the rest I, of the movie is pretty pretty substandard, you know. But mm -hmm. uh, but C grade level, and I, I didn't. It, out of all the Chuck Liddell ones, he started. I definitely enjoyed this way more than War Pigs and Acceleration, which was basically a pretty poor man's John Wick. Because this one just doesn't pretend to be anything. They know you've seen everything, and 
Dolph gets to ham it up, even though he's only in one place. He's, you know, in the cockpit. Yeah, uh, altitude, diehard on a plane, man. Yeah, I, I think, um, uh, you know, I think the it probably all started with Passenger 57. I feel like it was like the first of that kind of genre. I think my favorite is probably Executive Decisions. So this yes, oh my god, um, yeah. So there, there's definitely a lot to choose from. Even Snakes on a Plane um, is, kind of falls into that. <laughs> yes. Uh, just but, the fun kind of just put anything on a plane. There's that one bad one that's basically it's it's got uh, different uh, like scorpions on it or they'll have other subplots on it. It's like, did Asylum do scorpions on a plane? Oh, that would be hilarious. I know they did snakes on a train, right? That's, that's what it was. Yeah. It's like, and this is it. Planes, trains, or just whatever. It's not hard to do. Just shake the camera like an episode of Star Trek and you can make it intense. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah, there's also another interesting, if you ever want to do a sequel to the Die Hard on it, there's a lot of TV shows, like action TV shows, that did a Die Hard concept at some point. I think Highlander did one. Uh, Walk oh, Night. all the time. Yeah, it's like one, once a season, there's going to be a takeover. <laughs> right. I think even Star Trek did uh, one or two at some point. Uh, I, I counted at least almost five or ten. And, <laughs> it could be. It's just... I mean, it helps that there's a bunch of movies, you know, it's like in efforts contact, it's like the board take over your spaceship. <laughs> Right, right. And if they're not diehard, at least they're somewhat predator or aliens-ish, where it's just they gotta get a bunch of squad of guys who are getting slaughtered by an unseen alien force. <laughs> it's just right. so much fun. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. This this one doesn't pretend to be the best of the lot, but it's, it gets it over and done with pretty fast. And so aside yeah, from the misleading cover, I think they did pretty good, considering it could have been far worse. Yeah, there's definitely, like, I think Dolph, they had for a limited amount of time, I think he's always in the cockpit or something. They're like, uh, oh, should I go back there and take care of something? Like, no, no, stay in that room. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Other than the cheesy CGI explosion, it's still, it's a pretty competent, you know, B minus, C plus movie. Just simple, three out of five where you're like, okay, that didn't. I think no. it was short too. It was like uh, an hour and twenty minutes or something. It doesn't. It's so quickly. There's no way you're gonna get bored by it. And so, other than the misleading cover, I mean, you pretty much know what you signed up for. Just thieves take over a plane. One Marshall gal is pretty good at her job, and uh, the music's fun. And I'm just like, okay, so this is a typical, you know, two a.m. movie. That's okay. You know, it, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be top. You know of the list all the time. It can just be decent, you know, somewhat engaging, if not original, you know, it just. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I think it, it gets the job done, you know, so uh, kind of like detention and direct action or even command performance a little bit. I think those are kind of like the top ones of this uh, grouping you have here, you know, as far as getting the job done, you know, they're not, they're not none of them are classics probably, but they're, uh, but uh, it might be a Dolph Dolphins deliver the goods, you know. Um, and I see a lot of his fans are just way harder on so much stuff just because they're like, oh, it's not as good as I come in peace or men of war. I'm like, totally different Dolph movies. <laughs> you know, it's just, well, you, you kind of have to check your expectations at the door with that because after a certain period, you know, basically, uh, whereas kind of starting around Silent Trigger, you know, you, you're going to have a drop off. You know, you just kind of have to accept that. Um, yeah, and we did it with Van Damme and we did it with so many others, you know. So. Right. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so I have to admit, the, the next two, um, I'm a little, uh, I'm going to be a little less clear on. Uh, that's Castle fine. Falls, I didn't watch at all because I was going to uh, to rent it. 
Um, it was like five ninety nine to rent. I was like, all right, I'll watch Blackjack instead. So that was my decision. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, Hard Night is a like it or hated hostage movie that he did the, you know, Johnny's uh, Serafini, uh, I think is his name. He did a bunch of those cheap gangster movies with Randy Couture and Vinny Jones on. And this one I thought was an improvement because at least uh, it just was a little more suspenseful. And once again, just, you know, set in Rome, Italy. And uh, he didn't look like he was having as much of a heart attack or out of breath after a short time like he was in some of those other movies which just were either shot poorly or just looked like asylum level productions and this it's is just a, this is a director hard, hard night falling yeah yeah uh, and yeah. It, it was okay it, it just wasn't I, I don't know if i'd put it as the best but it was still i this was the one i probably enjoyed the least out of uh, all these um no that's yeah, fine just Hard Night Falling, yeah, just the, the, the action just didn't seem to, I don't know, it didn't seem like anybody was uh, really into it, you know? Um, well, that's just it. He he does seem like he's very constrained for time, and it's just like, mm-hmm. okay, well. Yeah, I, I'm bummed I didn't uh, watch Castle Falls, because, uh, you know, I think Scott Atkins is great. I think it would have been great to see it's them. It's definitely too. more of an Atkins movie, but uh, I, I definitely think with that one, Dolph's direction was just so much improved, and I got to give him a lot of credit, considering they had to shut down production repeatedly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I read about that, too, because they got uh, they got screwed with all the COVID uh, shutdowns and stuff, uh, and I think it's kind of cool that they that they got something done during all that, so... I wish I kind of checked it out, but yeah, it's kind of like Trespass with Ice T and Bill Paxton. Yeah, I just wasn't in the mood to uh, to pay money for it, so I was I was like, no, I want (laughs) I want to watch I want to watch Blackjack. You got me in the mood to watch Blackjack, so I was like, I'm gonna do some crazy John Uh, Wick. I would definitely give more money than Hard Night Falling, which I'm not sure anyone really wants to pay for. Yeah, maybe I felt a little burnt by that one watching the night before. I was like, yeah. Um, that one I saw on Hulu, I think. I think it was a free on there. Um, oh, so there you go. <laughs> pretty much the rest of these I saw on Tubi, I think, except uh, Detention. Detention, I think I had to rent. Um, but uh, but that one was pretty decent. Um, <laughs> right. Compared, it's something about early 2000s action compared to now where you, know, you can just tell that, that their budgets are even more restricted now, even though they got you know, so many digital cameras at their disposal, just for whatever reason, it's just... Yeah, well, it's, uh, the business is tough, you know, I work in distribution a little bit, so I think the, the, the money margins just get smaller, and uh, the investors keep pulling good. out last minute to where, hmm, what do I sacrifice, you know, right, right. more scenes with this guy, or this guy. Yeah, definitely, like we were saying with detention and direct action, it was like, it was that kind of bridge between, uh, um when they were still doing uh some stunts and fighting and they were still uh had a little bit of budgets there but now it's yeah they're just kind of slap dashing a lot of these out i guess but <laughs> as i said but uh some of these scott adkin movies are uh are pretty good um and then uh with him and dolph lundgren they did the universal soldier uh was a regeneration or which one or day reckoning you know and that's mm-hmm. probably probably one of the best direct-to-video action movies you know of the past uh a uh, couple decades for sure so um, you know, I think, as I said, I think what, uh, what puts Dolph, uh, as in a contention for being on that Mount Rushmore of action stars is, uh, he, he kept doing these movies and he, uh, he kept doing some, some solid ones in there. 
And he's even come back around where he's doing Aquaman, and I saw he's going to be in the next Minions movie or whatever, doing voice. <laughs> yeah. He's almost uh, gone back on top, and I think uh, the memes for Rocky Four and all that, I, I, I hear references to Rocky Four and Ivan I Drago all the time, you know? So. Uh, and it was so good to just finally see him come back in Creed and just even do a mature version of that character. It's just like... It was... Yeah, Creed 2 is uh, Rocky Four point, uh, point A or whatever point B. You're right. Uh, I, a lot of people didn't like Creed 2, uh, including my wife, because it wasn't so much a Creed sequel. It was more of a Rocky IV sequel, but I, I of course, was all for that. So um, Can't impress them all. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of uh, the uh, Rocky IV redux that uh, Stallone You know, I still got to actually see it. I got to sit down and actually watch it. But, yeah, I'm so far the cut comparisons I've seen, it's kind of interesting. This They took out some of the different stuff and made it be more about the fight so i was like okay interesting recut yeah, it's weird just because i you know as you may find when you watch it i i know it so much like you could tell when they're editing something even slightly different in the montages or whatever so um <laughs> but it's uh it's it's weird because yeah he takes out a lot of the cheesy stuff he takes out the robot he adds more uh adrian scenes takes out takes out Polly scenes um uh, <laughs> It's weird. It's like he took. It's like he heard all the criticisms of people saying Rocky Four was just this cheesy, you know, like coke fueled eighties uh, eighties uh, cliche, you know. Um, and he took all those to heart, and he like took out all those things that made it like a campy kind of classic, you know. So uh, <laughs> it, it's not my Rocky Four, I guess, but I appreciate. It's not like it's a Star Wars thing where we only have one version. So I appreciate there's a there's an alternative version out there. That's it. Right. Yeah, so. Instead of adding random, you know, graphics or in movie advertising where you're like, no, no, I can tell. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I don't think he added anything awkward to it. Yeah, I don't think there was any. I feel like there there was, but it doesn't come to mind right now. But I don't think it was adding any. Uh, it wasn't as blatant as other ones where you're like, really, Scott, you're out with another director's cut, but nothing's really changed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Like, uh, yeah, how many versions of Blade Runner are there, right? It was like, uh, yeah, a great movie, but I don't need there to be that many versions of it. <laughs> the definitive, definitive of the definitive version, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is the definitive? <laughs> right. Oh, God. So um, thank you forever so much for being on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it's fun as always. Uh, look, forward, look forward to doing it again, whatever um, you got yeah, some ideas. Do next. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's... It's 1982. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good action movies in 1982, and uh, you know we got that anniversary going on. So um, a lot of good yeah. action movies, a lot of good slasher movies. We can talk about any of those. So yeah, just let me yeah. know. <laughs> totally, I will. I'll definitely try to do some by the year. Like, what are the best horror movies by you know in the year 82, 85? You know, or yeah, that'd be real fun 90, to do. 97. Yeah, you know, it's. <laughs> I guess the only other thing I got is um, uh, when I was doing going through his IMDb, uh, Maximum Potential, which is a workout video. Goal. Yeah, Tarantino uh, worked as like an assistant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So he stole my lead there. So if you go into that, uh, that uh, one of the IMDb, best workout tapes. And... I think it, I think it was Tarantino's first credit. Uh, and if you dig deeper, apparently I don't know if he said in an interview he uh, cleaned up dog shit uh, off the lawn for for that video. So so there you go. All the best parts <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.